0: what's up everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights from the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Friday, July 17th, 2020. We have made it to the end of the work week and the Vegas Golden Knights have made it to the end of training camp, at least the first week of training camp. While training camp has begun for a certain number 29, we will get to that in just a little bit. first, how in the world are y'all doing? Hope y'all are having a good Friday. Hope y'all are having a good end to your week. My name is Danny Webster, I am your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode, which is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode because we have a lot of news that happened literally just yesterday and today that we'll need to get to. We will cover that in the first segment, and then for the rest of the podcast, I am joined as it seems like i have been throwing it back to the old college days, doing a podcast with Jesse Granger from The Athletic, very good chat, hope you all stay for that as well. All right, so we do have some news that we need to touch on from yesterday as well as today. I kind of hinted at the first part. We'll start with today then. Uh, Mark andre Fleury made his, I uh, guess, training camp 2.0 debut, as you will, uh, joining the Golden Knights at practice today after missing the first three with what Pete DeBoer has called it maintenance days, or at least called it a maintenance day on Monday, continuing to reassure us that there is nothing wrong with the Golden Knights goalie. Uh, while Robin Leonard and Oscar Dansk handled training camp and scrimmage duties, Flurry did participate in the first half of practice today, uh, did not participate in the second half, which was mainly special teams, drills, and five on five work. Well, he, he mainly was on five on five work. Special teams was the second part of it, did not participate. Dansk took his place. Obviously, good sign that Flurry is back. I, I don't think anybody was really worried. That Fleury was going to be out long term. I mean, DeBoer kind of said it himself earlier today 35 year old goalie. And like I mentioned before, we've talked about how the importance of resting Marc Andre Fleury has been to the betterment of this organization. If he takes a few days off after skating for five straight uh, weeks in camp, I don't see there being any problem. But to ease everybody's concerns and worries, Flurry is back and he is skating and uh, should be taking uh, regular duties as we go throughout the remainder of camp, which is about another week or so. Uh, They will be practicing tomorrow at City National Arena and on Sunday and I think every other day after that. So probably come Monday, we will have more updates as the time gets along. But for right now, everyone is in accordance in camp and everyone is in camp and everything is good and everybody can calm the heck down. Cool. All right. Next part of news, Uh, the long awaited signing of one Jack Dugan to his entry level contract finally happened on Thursday. Ironically enough, uh, Thursday's episode was completed right after Dugan signed or right before Dugan signed his contract. Literally, I think 15 minutes or whatever after I finished recording Thursday's episode. Uh, the Golden Knights announced that Jack Dugan had signed his entry-level deal, and you know what? I think that's as, that's probably the best news the Golden Knights could have, out of it. could have gone out of it. Obviously, they cannot have him in the playoffs by not having him in the playoffs. Um, Dugan elected to not burn the first of the two years on his ELC. He will be starting play in the Golden Knights organization starting next season rather than burning this year and going straight into a contract year. Much like what the Minnesota Wild are doing with Kirill Kaprizov. Is it Kaprizov or Kaprizov? I always say it's Kirill Kaprizov, but it's Kaprizov, I believe. So Kirill Kaprizov, see, I'm already fledging over that. Um, That's what the Wild are doing there. And kind of like what the New York Islanders are doing with Ilya Sorokin, and how they're handling his development. Both of those guys will go into restrictive free agency after next year, whereas Dugan could play one year of pro hockey and then go into a contract year with the possibility of him trying to go for a Golden Knights roster spot or he just tears up the AHL for two years and then they finally bring him up in the third year. There is that possibility as well. Speaking of The AHL Uh, GM Kelly McCrimmon announced during yesterday's Zoom call, along with announcing Dugan's contract, that uh, coach Rocky Thompson will not be retained by the organization. Uh, Thompson has decided to move on and he is taking an NHL job. Now, reports out of uh, the hockey world yesterday, as soon as that announcement was made, is that Rocky Thompson will be joining Bob Bugner's staff In San Jose, because it appears that Bob Bugner has earned himself an extension with the San Jose Sharks, Um, but according to the San Jose Mercury News, uh, per a uh, conversation with GM Doug Wilson, that is not the case at this moment, because there have not been any decisions made as far as the coaching staff is concerned. So right now, Bob Bugner does not have an extension, and Rocky Thompson is not a member officially. Of the San Jose Sharks, but pretty much every national outlet has confirmed that Rocky Thompson will be going to the Golden Knights' biggest rival to join their coaching staff. If you remember last year, or last summer, I should say, the Toronto Maple Leafs were trying very hard to pry Rocky Thompson away from the Golden Knights organization in order to add him to Mike Babcock's staff. The Golden Knights would not release him from his contract. With the Golden Knights no longer an affiliate, or with the Chicago Wolves no longer affiliate of the Golden Knights, Rocky Thompson's tenure ended with Chicago. All signs were in, were pointing to him joining Henderson, but that does not uh, going that is not going to be the case. So now the search is on for a new coach, the first coach ever, I should say, of the Henderson Silver Knights, which. You know, you look at the potential of having a top six next year of maybe Paul Cotter, maybe Lucas Alvarez, and quite possibly Jack Dugan. That's an attractive job if you're looking for something at least in the first couple of years as Vegas continues to build its prospect pipeline. So you have that ability there. I'm just saying if anybody out there is interested in one iota of taking the Henderson Silver Knights job, there's your selling pitch, I guess. So go for it. Go for it. What you will. Also, some minor news added on to yesterday's Zoom call as well. Uh, Logan Thompson, who was signed to an entry-level deal, uh, not I believe it's just past week. It feels like it's been forever. But Logan Thompson, who was just recently signed by the Golden Knights, he is expected to join the Golden Knights in camp uh, for the remainder of their Phase Three. Camp just to get some reps in. He's obviously signed starting next year, so he can't join the team uh, in the playoffs. But Logan Thompson, who spent last year with South Carolina of the ECHL, will be the fourth goalie, at least in the training camp system, joining Flurry, Robin Leonard, and Oscar Dansk. So that is your pretty much roundup of news a lot to get to in that aspect there's a lot going on in just this one week of time we're talking about a new captain for next year we're talking about Robin Leonard possibly taking more time from flurry we have about contract situations and all that jazz we have prospects signing contracts and it's not even off season yet aren't we all just having the grandest of times at least I am at least I'm glad that things are kind of going back to normal and things are getting to a point where we actually have things to talk about. So th- there is that. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. All right. Now that we got the news out of the way, we will now transition into a I minute, mean, kind of brought back the old college days. That's, that's the way I like to put it. Uh, we're joined today on the show by Jesse Granger of the athletic, uh, Jesse and I go back To working at the rebel yell at UNLV. Uh, we've done podcasts together boatload of times. I had to joke with him that, uh, this would not go an hour because usually when we were doing podcasts at UNLV, they would go hour, an hour and 15 minutes because we had so much to talk about as far as UNLV sports go. When we had our other two friends, Randy and Jordan, uh, do it with us as well. Um, First time that we've had Jesse on the show, first time I've actually gotten a chance to do a podcast with Jesse uh, about the Golden Knights, even whether it be pertaining to KOI or whether it be pertaining to this. So very long overdue to get Jesse on the podcast to discuss kind of the stuff that I mentioned at the top of the show, some of the news hits here, as well as what he thinks about this team going into training or going to the end of training camp and going forward. And of course, we also discussed the goalie situation, which I, I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy when I brought the idea up about Flurry and Leonard earlier in the week. So now with that being said, here is my chat with Jesse Granger. All right. So now we get to talk some Golden Knights training camp storylines because we have now reached a point where we haven't talked about, or we haven't seen a Golden Knights game in like almost six years. Speaking of nothing being done in almost six years, Jesse Granger and I are doing a podcast. What's up,
1: man? What's going on? Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, is this our first podcast since the, since the college LL days? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> December not only does that yeah, not only does that paper name not exist, um, the whole school name might not exist. No, nope. nope. so. no, it
0: will not. It is. Uh, it has been a long time. December 2014 was the last time we did our. We used to do an annual college football like roundup type of show. It would go like an hour and a half, and that never got released. I ne- I never saw <laughs> the actual finished product to it. It has been missing this entire time, and uh, probably wiped off the airwaves for good for all we know. But but yeah, fun story. Before uh, before Jesse was doing a big time at the Athletic and before I was doing NHL.com stuff, we were working together at UNLV in the college paper, which used to be the Rebel Yell. And like I said, we they've changed the name since then. And uh, yeah, since then we've been living up pretty large, I'd, I'd say. At least you have.
1: Hockey is back now. I'm, I'm happy to be back at the rink freezing our butt off every day.
0: I don't even feel like I'm freezing. It's it's more so I'm worried about my glasses fogging up each time, every time I'm trying to see somebody go down the ice. But other than that, no, it it's fantastic to uh, be back at the rink. And really, this is the first time you've been on this podcast. So I appreciate you even giving some time to hop on here. Thanks, man. Yeah, it should be fun. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get the usual camps, the re- usual camps up out of the way first. Uh, first off, the big thing was Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, back on the ice after missing the first three days. I know we, we were told not to worry, but, I mean, you know, in this environment we have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt with Flurry not, not practicing the first three days. Just uh, what did you – I mean, do, do you even look at how players kind of perform in camp this early? I mean, I know we've only been in three days and this was his first one, but did you see anything from him that kind of seems like, okay, maybe the rest was a good
1: idea? yeah i mean i think i'm always one of the people cautioning people like don't look at their practice don't look too far into training camp but that's normal training camp when we're going into an 82 game season and preseason it's like at that point how they look in practice to me is pretty meaningless but considering these guys are going straight into do or die games like you've got three round robin games and then it's the playoffs um i think it matters a little more this time and i think both goalies have looked sharp i jokingly tweeted today um the unintended downside of getting Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury is this team will never score a goal in practice ever again. So hopefully the Golden Knights can figure out how to score against other teams because they can't score against their own. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing for the offense or a bad thing for the defense and the goalies. But, but it's, uh, I, I think Fleury's looked great. I, I don't have a problem with him taking a few days off. I think we all, because we weren't able to watch phase three, or face two, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, we all kind of say like, oh, this is the first days of practice. Why isn't he out there? He should be out there with them." when, in fact, he's been out there for five weeks skating with these guys. And, they, and they've kind of, every player we've talked to has brought it back to, well, we've been out there for five weeks doing these things. Um, it's basically the same thing we've been doing for five weeks. And we just have coaches now. So um, I don't think it's a big deal that he missed. What about you?
0: No, I mean, like like DeBoer said today, he's 35 years old. he we've we've talked the last couple of years of how important it is for him to get rest and how important it is for him to kind of take days off if he needs to and you know we're definitely we definitely shouldn't be the ones to be like oh why isn't flurry out there but no I think I think if you're going to get the best flurry that you can for these three round robin games however many he plays and however many games he plays in the playoffs I mean if it works go for it I mean there's really nothing wrong with that at least I don't think for sure
1: yeah DeBoer it's again today talked about the goalies and said we don't really have an idea of whether we're gonna bounce back and forth because obviously when they acquired Leonard it was 1-1-1-1 one, 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 and they traded games um I don't think that's what they're gonna do in the playoffs but you never know and he said that they there's the chance they could do that there's a the chance one guy could play the majority they might want to ride the hot hand it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with these goalies in the playoffs
0: no, absolutely. And that actually brings me to my next question, which I kind of talked about it on my show on Wednesday. I, I, it was a long winded rant, but I'm probably thinking too much into it, but I want to get your opinion on this. How much pressure given the situation that we dealt with with COVID and all that, how much pressure do you think is on flurry to perform in the playoffs?
1: Um, I, you know who the pressure's on? Pete DeBoer. Yeah, that, that is part of it as well. I feel like, and he keeps saying it's a luxury, and like he told me I sleep easy at night having to make this decision, <laughs> and it's like, man, it seems to me like he's in a bad spot because, yeah, it's good to have two goalies, but it seems like this is going to get blamed on him if they don't win the Stanley Cup. You either win the Stanley Cup or DeVore mishandled the goalies because if you play Flurry the whole way and you don't play Leonard and you lose, people are going to say you had this, awesome goalie on the bench and you didn't even use him what a waste we gave up the second round pick and you didn't and but then if he goes away from Flurry and goes to Leonard and then Leonard loses it everyone's gonna say we have a three-time Stanley Cup champion goalie and you benched him what's wrong with you so it's I don't see a way that Pete DeBoer comes out of this looking good unless they win the Stanley Cup so um, it's good for him that he's got two goalies and he's definitely got a better chance at winning the Stanley Cup this way but it's good it puts a lot of pressure on Pete DeBoer and I to answer your question I think Flurry does have some pressure but um, not as much as DeBoer does because yeah. Flurry's just got to go out there and play. Right. No, I agree. And I, and I think that part of it was what I
0: was thinking as well. When you talk about the whole situation when DeBoer got in here, from the moment I thought all the pressure was actually on the front office because if they made this decision with DeBoer with De firing Gallant and they didn't do everything in their power to put him in the position to succeed and for the team to succeed into this situation of going – hopefully on a two month run that ends with them at least close to a Stanley cup, then the whole thing would have been a colossal failure. I just thought that if you're going to go with the situation where you're going to play one on one off between flurry and Leonard, that if flurry does not perform the way that, and, and I'm not saying that flurry hasn't performed in the playoffs. He absolutely has the last two years. He's been tremendous for this team in the play, in the playoffs. albeit be game seven. He was pitching a shutout for 50 minutes before, you know, you know what happened, but, um, It's weird to think that if he doesn't play well and he goes in with Leonard and then Leonard starts playing well, then you start having to think, well, maybe we do have to have a situation where maybe we have to think about paying Robin Leonard this summer or this offseason. It's a whole different ideology than I think most of us would have anticipated if this was a normal season and, and ending in June, not in October.
1: Right, there's definitely more pressure than when Malcolm Subban's on the bench because mm-hmm. we all know when Malcolm Subban's on the bench and we get to the playoffs, this is Flurry's job. He can give up ten goals, he can give up. Doesn't matter what he does, he's gonna play next game. Whereas now with Leonard on the bench, if you have a bad game, you're done, and if he has a good game, you might not play again. So, so you're right. There's there's definitely more pressure than there has been under the last two seasons where it was Flurry's job no matter what, and there's no one to even compete for it. Do you think that they? do anything to make the room to make sure that they keep him after this season. Robin Leonard. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I knew. Um, I like my prediction right now. I think the most likely thing to happen is he probably gets a big contract from someone else and leaves and and that would be awesome for Leonard because he's been looking for one forever and the guy seems to get a one year deal every single year and he's played on a bunch of teams. So I hope he gets a big deal from someone. Um, I don't see a way the Golden Knights are that team because. It's just even if they were to trade someone to make room to to try to fit Flurry and Leonard, man, that's a lot yeah. of money towards your goalies. Um, and and if you pay Leonard and he deserves seven million plus, I think, a year. Even if he were to take a discount and say he takes five million, which I think that's way below what he should be taking. But if mm-hmm. he did, that's still twelve million dollars to your goalies. And it's every night you've got either five million or seven million sitting on your bench. And for a team like the Golden Knights who are pressed against the cap and they're having to find ways to save every little dollar they can. It's hard to justify putting 7 or $5 million on your bench every single night when you don't have money to, to fill positions. So I don't see a way the Golden Knights do it. Maybe they, maybe they make it work, but um, I think the most likely scenario is Leonard probably gets paid big somewhere else. I think so. Also,
0: the, only, the one scenario that I've, I've thrown around the last you know, number of weeks, ever actually ever since they traded for Leonard, if they were going to trade one guy, the only guy I could think of is Stasny just because you can clear a center spot for glass or whoever you clear off the six and a half million. You probably have to take money back in such a deal, but at least it's an expiring. But the more I think about it, the more it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but you're right. He definitely deserves term for sure because he's on his what third or fourth team in five years. So it's like he's, he's ready to, to settle down somewhere. Um, But yeah, I, it's just going all in. And if it doesn't result in at least a deep playoff run, I feel like everything that would have happened for the last four or five months would have just gone down the drain. So there
1: you go. Right. Yeah. And it's not just Leonard. I mean, like they, they brought in Alec Martinez and they still have him for another year, but then Chandler Stevenson, RFA Nick cousins and RFA, they brought in expiring contracts to try to win this cup. Yeah, absolutely. And the one guy who, I guess not
0: really an old guy, but a young guy that could potentially make a run at the roster next year, given roster spots and, you know, just available room in general, is the guy that they just signed to an ELC yesterday is Jack Dugan, who I think we were, we were all kind of confused at the very beginning when they said he was announced to the organization. They didn't really sign him to a contract, and then they had to clarify that, um, that they had to sign him to the contract, waiting on if he would even join the roster the playoffs. But where do you see, does Dugan have a realistic chance of making the roster next year? Or do you think he starts in the AHL and they just go, if they play, a ridiculous top six in the AHL?
1: Yeah, I think Dugan's definitely destined to start in the AHL for sure. Um The, the one that is interesting, and, and I was talking with Ryan about this yesterday, but with like, I think the d- the decision with Peyton Krebs is a lot more difficult than the one with Dugan because with Dugan, if, if he doesn't make the lineup, it's not that big a deal. He just goes to the Orleans every day and plays with the Henderson Silver Knights, and and that's great experience for him. And he needs – I mean, that's another step up from college, right? And like you always hear McCrimmon and McPhee talking about the development and going in steps and not overrushing their players. And I think Dugan can take that next step and play in the AHL, and that's good for him, kind of like Elvinist did this year. But with Krebs, based on the rules with the Canadian Hockey League and the, and the Junior Hockey League in Canada, he either plays in the NHL next year or he has to go back to his junior team and play for the Winnipeg Ice. He can't play in the AHL. It's against that's the good. rules. So it's like, uh, to me, that's the decision. I, I think it's easy decision to say, okay, Dugan, we can put him in the AHL. That's another step up for him. That's easy. And then if, and then if he plays amazing there and guys get hurt, we can bring him right up and play. Whereas Peyton Krebs, it's, he either makes the lineup out of camp or we're sending him back to junior and you can't pull him out of junior. Once he goes there, he's stuck there for the whole year. And it's like, with how dominant this kid has been, it's the same as Cody glass. Cody glass went back for his overage year and was basically bored out of his mind. (laughs) Just got like, I'm tired of dominating 16 year olds. I'm 20 now. So to me, that's the more fascinating one. I think it's, I think he's probably going to end up going back to the Winnipeg Ice, but um, Without how good he's played and obviously he's on the ice with these guys now and you've heard nothing but good things from all the players and from Pete DeBoer and from Kelly McCrimmon so maybe Peyton Krebs makes a run at that roster next year. That's a point I did not even take into consideration because now
0: I mean we're getting a chance to see Krebs up up close really for the first time in a in a Golden Knights practice setting and I'm not saying like what happens in this camp is going to dictate whether he makes the roster or not next year but He's got a skill set that I think could be useful, especially if they don't bring back like a Stevenson or a Cousins, even though that seems pretty unlikely, even though they're easier to control via term. But I don't know, just the way that you can interchange him on center and wing. And we've seen like instances where he's played wing, especially like on the power play drills today that that were going on. He's got a skill set that I think could work next year if he kind of rounds into form.
1: Yeah, and he's really fast. And and you 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 heard Kelly McCrimmon yesterday after they signed Jack Dugan. He was talking to us and he mentioned um, how important that AHL coach job's going to be. He first he started yeah. off by saying Rocky Thompson's gone and then he he says that that AHL coach position is super important and it's even more important for this team right now in the stage of the organization because of the flat cap. They don't have a lot of ELCs on this team, and the way you compete in, an, in a salary cap world is by having a bunch of entry-level deals on your team so that you can pay the older guys all that money. And man, if Cody Glass and Peyton Krebs are both on next year's roster, all of a sudden, that's two really cheap forward spots that you can get a lot of production out of that maybe will allow you to, to add elsewhere. Right. And Ken,
0: Ken and I were actually, we briefly talked about this earlier today. I think it was before they did the, uh, the power play drills. Putting Glass and Krebs together could actually work, given Glass's skill set. And you can put Krebs, like I said, on the wing, and you can watch him fly. I didn't think he was that quick. I honestly didn't. I, again, I haven't really seen that much junior tape on him.
1: I didn't think he was that fast. Yeah, he's a small, fast guy. He's not very big. Like, I think because Krebs is a defense, like, he, he plays really good defense, and when we when they drafted him, that's all you heard about is how complete of a player he is. And I think people associate defense with, like, big guys, and it's just, like, mm-hmm. what we do. So I think people assumed Peyton Krebs was bigger than he was because you hear people talk about how Cody Glass was pushed around last year and he wasn't quite ready for the NHL, and maybe physically he he just wasn't as imposing as he should have been. Well, Peyton Krebs is, like, half Cody Glass's size. <laughs> he's a little guy, but he's fast, and and he uses that speed, and, and he's looked – Pretty comfortable in practice this week, I thought. He, he's fit in, um, and that's probably the best compliment you can give a 20-year-old playing with a bunch – or I guess he's still 19. Still 19, 19 yeah. Playing with a bunch of uh, NHLers getting ready for the Stanley Cup. So he uh, – he, I've been impressed with Peyton Krebs. I, I don't think I ever would have thought to use the words he makes
0: Reed Duke and Patrick Brown look really good, but alas, he's made those guys look really good. It's absolutely insane. Um, looking ahead to – I guess, the next couple of weeks, obviously, with, like, another week of camp. And then they go into this exhibition game against the Coyotes. And eventually, to this round-robin format, which, I mean, the players said themselves, maybe it's not as important as it should be. Maybe it is. It depends on who you talk to. I don't know. I guess, how do you forecast how this team should do when they officially get to the round of 16?
1: Yeah, I think – you go all in on the round robin until you lose a game. That's just how I would approach it because based on the, so they're going to use the regular season standings as the tiebreaker for the round robin. So because the golden Knights finished third, Um, Behind the Blues and the Avs, if they lose a game in the round robin, it's pretty much impossible for them to get the one seed. And to me, the one seed is an awesome prize, right? Because you get to play the worst seed in every round the whole way. You could get all the way to the conference final without playing a single digit seed, like if, if there are some upsets. So to me, the one seed is a major prize. But after that, second, third, and fourth, to me, don't really, there's not that big a difference between being the second seed and the fourth seed. So I think if it was me, you play Dallas on August 3rd. If you win that game, We're treating St. Louis and Colorado like they're playoff games. These are do or die. Like, we want to win these games. Whereas, if you lose that game against Dallas on August 3rd, then I think I use Colorado and St. Louis as – we're still going to try to win, and we want to keep the intensity up, but, like, lineup-wise and and just – how I approach that game, I think I'm going to take them as trying to get better and trying to ice the best team I can by that actual round one date. So it's going to kind of deter and and Ryan and I were talking about this. I think it's good that they're playing Dallas because that's probably the worst of the of the four teams. So um, that's their best chance to get a win. So if you win that game against Dallas, St. Louis and Colorado are playing each other. The loser of that game is probably going to be out of it. Um, All of a sudden, you've got a very realistic path at being the number one seed.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've, I've, I looked at Nate Schmidt's comments the other day, and he's like, do I really want to take this one-timer from Colton Pareko off the leg, and just all of a sudden now I have to deal with injuries leading up to the actual playoffs? So, But, no, that, that makes a hell of a lot of sense when you look at it that way. Um, how far do you think they go?
1: Oh, man, I think they go far. I mean, I think this team is really good. Um, it's, I don't want to get too caught up in the, like they're laser focused because I have to agree. Like I got caught up in it. Like these guys seem very focused and you talk to every player and every one of them are like, man, I'm so proud of how hard the guys have worked for the last five weeks. And Pete DeBoer, it's easy to get caught up in that. But then you go on Twitter and you see all of our counterparts in every other city and all the players and coaches of every team are saying the exact same thing. So they all think that they (laughs) work the hardest. Um, but I do think just talent wise, this team's really good. It's going to be dependent on matchups and i think if they have to play colorado or st louis in that second round that's a tough tough matchup and that'll be if they end up being that three or four seed but um i think they're in good shape i think they get at least to the conference final i think they can win the west
0: yeah it, it's definitely not going to be easy especially knowing no I, I i won't put any speculation on this there has to be at least one team that's like you know what I think we're ready to just end the season. We'll just go for Lafreniere. If we if we get him, great. If not, let's, let's just move on from Well, it.
1: the Chicago Blackhawks, they don't have a goalie. They Now I saw today Lazarus tweeted that a couple other guys have been ruled uh, unfit to play, and it's like maybe the Blackhawks might just want to not go to Edmonton.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I don't think anybody wants to go to Edmonton if they don't clear up that mess after the storm last
1: night. Oh, my God, that was nuts. not want hockey to happen. They are doing everything they can to prevent it. All all the MGM folks are like,
0: please just make it change your mind real quick. (laughs) accept our proposal. Oh, man. All right. Well, is there any other topic you wanted to touch on that I didn't
1: really? Um, No, I don't think. It's good to be back at practice. This (laughs) team's looked good. Um, It's going to be fun for hot. Like, to to me, I can't wait for the non-Golden Knights games. Because, like, Golden Knights days, like – are fun and and we, but we're going to be covering them. Um, I'm looking for like those first two days, five games each day. It's, and we say five games a day and that's pretty normal for the NHL, like even during the regular season. But the difference is usually those games are all on top of each other and you can only watch one at a time. Whereas, the way it is now with these two hubs, it's like we're getting back-to-back-to-back to back to back hockey from morning to <laughs> night. I cannot wait. I'm going to overdose on hockey. Oh, man. They're
0: going to start at 9 o'clock in the morning. People are going to have to have an excuse to actually wake up that early and then watch <laughs> it all the way over through, man. It's going to be... Oh, like 11
1: o'clock at night?
0: Oh, man. It, it, I, I'm going to be... I, I will say, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'll be mad as hell, though, if, they, uh, if Vegas is that late game at 11 o'clock at night. We're pushing on deadline trying to get everything
1: done. Oh, especially when they go to overtime that makes me glad i don't work at a, a hard copy physical paper because same. those deadlines are going to be brutal same
0: you're not go- <laughs> are you going to edmonton or no
1: i don't i to be honest, we don't know yet. Um yes. it's up in the air. Unlikely. I, it's highly unlikely. Um, just because of quarantining in Canada with like, you have to quarantine for 14, de- 14 days when you get there. So I would have to leave now and miss all of camp in order to, for my quarantine to be done by the That's time they point. play. Or I'd have to go up there when camp's over and then quarantine for the first two weeks and miss the game. So it's like, it's tough.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing though, is that we're pretty much all going to get the same stuff. It's not like we're going to get one-on-ones or anything. So it's not like to make the extra effort to fly all the way up there, but yeah, it would have been nice, but yeah, I don't think about quarantining, quarantining into a Edmonton hotel for two weeks just doesn't sound. It
1: annoying. would be. Yeah. Like I said, I like, and if they give me the call to go, uh, if the athletic asked me to go, I'm going like, I'll, I'll leave today. Um, but at the same time, if I'm home, I'm not going to be upset that I have to sit at my home and on the couch and watch 10 games every single day. Um, I'm <laughs> not, fine with not that. a bad deal at all.
0: So I'm not good. not bad at all. All right. Well, pretty much foregone conclusion because everybody knows you by now, but where can people find you?
1: Uh, on Twitter at jessiegranger underscore and at theathletic.com. And if you want to subscribe, um, I have the code for my name to get you a 40% discount, uh, theathletic.com slash Granger. There you go. And the
0: new podcast, which is what, yeah. three episodes in?
1: Uh, four. We just posted four. the fourth one yesterday, Strip Hockey, uh, me and Ryan Wallace. Uh, yeah, we've been doing the podcast for a long time with Rink Rats, but we recently just rebranded, re- uh, changed the name, changed some things up, and we're Strip Hockey now. It's a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. It's awesome to hear you guys back on the podcast scene. I know it's been a while for you guys to do that. And
1: yeah, we're definitely going to have to
0: reconnect at some point in the next coming weeks so we can talk some more about whatever the hell is going to be happening with this team for sure.
1: Right. Once we have some actual games to break down. Right. For sure. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time as always. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Alright, once again, thanks a lot to Jesse for jumping on the show today to discuss some Golden Knights stuff. Again, a very busy, jam-packed week of news, basically, with the Golden Knights. And I appreciate Jesse giving a little bit of his time. I know he's way busy now doing other things and whatnot and working and whatnot, but I appreciate him giving some time to come on the show today. Next week, more training camp stuff, more than likely. We will be doing more training camp stuff as we get closer to the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's only a week away or so, or, or at least a week away, until they travel to Edmonton, but it's not that far away until they actually play some games. And at that point, just the marathon of games that we'll be going through between now and then is going to be one fun time. And I hope you all will join me Later on next week, we'll probably have more guests as well lined up uh, to kind of jump on here and give their thoughts about uh, the old Golden Knights and whatnot, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Until then, hope you all have a good weekend. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, I say. Please wash your hands. Uh, If you have not done so already, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast On Apple Podcasts, you can also do it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Wherever else you get your podcasts, you can find this show on there. If you haven't also done so already, if you haven't also done so already, I I, I guess that makes sense. If you haven't done already, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you want to send an email for a potential mailbag question down the line, uh, LockedOnGoldenNights at gmail.com is absolutely awesome the place to do that so yeah that will do it for me thank you all for listening hope you all enjoyed today's episode and hockey is right around the corner it is only a matter of time before we get to be talking about some game action and before you know it it'll be like that man yeah it'll be quick trust me the fact that we're already one weekend through training camp we're gonna be done pretty quick all right guys Thank you very much for joining me today. We'll be back next week for more training camp shenanigans here on Locked on Golden Knights. Until then, I am Danny Webster. You already know the name of the show. Have a good weekend.